1: Hey everyone, welcome to Group Text. Anyone who listens to this show knows that I am a huge fan of the Below Deck franchise. And I have just caught up somehow on the newest Below Deck, newest being three years, so I'm a little behind, uh, Below Deck sailing yacht mega giant thing. It's amazing. Uh, I'm lucky enough today to have Captain Glenn Shepard. For any of those who watch the show, he's the uh, big boss in charge. Welcome, Captain Glenn.
0: Hi, how you doing?
1: Good, thank. Thanks you. for having me on. Yeah, well, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, and i We were just talking. I'm actually an episode ahead of you in watching the show. Yes. So you're originally yep. from Montreal. How did you end up on a huge mega sailing yacht?
0: Uh, Well, I left, I left Montreal quite young, Uh, moved out to California, out to LA for a while. I, uh, I, way back then I used to think LA was the center of the universe. And then I realized soon after it wasn't necessarily LA, it was going somewhere new. And uh, that's kind of dictated my life. I've just been traveling, uh, doing a lot of traveling. Um, i Bought my own boat early on and started cruising in the Mediterranean. Fell in love with that. And uh, decided about, I think it was 2000, I wanted to try super yachting. So I went to Fort Lauderdale, um, the boat show in Fort Lauderdale. And I think it was October 2000 and started looking for work.
1: So were you in LA when you went to school, when you were in high school? How old were you?
0: No, no, I was, I went to LA, I think I was 21. I'd already finished school. I went to school in Montreal and I was, yeah, trying to figure out, you know, I grew up in Montreal and I lived in an area of Montreal, which was predominantly English speaking, but it's a French speaking city. And, you know, at that time it was kind of hard to make your way there if you, if you didn't speak French well, which I didn't. So I figured, okay, I've got to go somewhere. I might as well go somewhere warm because Montreal can, can have pretty brutal winters.
1: So you went from LA to Fort Lauderdale saw these enormous boats and said, this is my life.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, there was a big gap between uh, Los Angeles and Fort Lauderdale. I went, I moved to Fort Lauderdale and I think it was, I mean, uh, LA in 81, ended up in Lauderdale in 2000. Uh, and that's, that's kind of how I, I started my super yachting career in, in Fort Lauderdale
1: what was in your 2000. First, what was your first job?
0: Uh, my first job was day working on Big Eagle, which is uh, a the very boat famous boat
1: that we used to charter.
0: Exactly, uh, and I worked with them. I actually was in, in the engine room cleaning and like a bilge rat, uh, cleaning and painting engine room floorboards. Um, we moved around a little bit, but I wasn't on liverboard too. I was just a day worker, and um, I, I moved on from there. Got another job on a. Thirty-eight meter motor yacht ended up going with them across the Atlantic to the Med. Did a season of Med uh, charter, and then I saw these big, you know, black super, uh, sailboats. And uh, I had seen them cruising in Greece before, and uh, ended up getting a job on one of those. And I've been on sailboats for 20, twenty-one years now.
1: How fast did you rise through the ranks to end up a captain? Um. Uh... Well,
0: at the time I joined, they were kind of changing the program to make it a little more um, difficult for people to fudge their experience. And they started a new like five-year officer of the watch program. And uh, I almost had enough to be able to bypass that. But I thought, no, I'm going to do it the right way and go through, you know. So it's a a five-year program. I got my captain's license, uh, God, I can't remember, I think 2006 or something, I got a maid's job on the biggest sloop in the world, uh, Mirabella 5. That, um, I also did some captain on that, um, yard captain and stuff like that. When you
1: say the biggest in the world, how big is it? Uh,
0: She was originally um, 75 meters, which I think is somewhere around, I don't know, 250 feet or something like that. She's a monster. Her mast is 90 meters long, so that's longer than a football field, the mast. She's Whoa. a single mast. Uh, she, she's actually now 78 meters They extended her. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's, she's probably going to be the biggest single mast and sailboat forever. No one's ever going to surpass that. It's just too big.
1: So you ended up on the... What was it? Uh, you ended up on the boat you're on now. So suddenly... Did you watch, did you watch Below Deck before you became a part of the cast?
0: (laughs) I have a confession to make. No, I didn't. To be honest, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I thought, you know, I spent most of my time in Europe, most of my life in Europe, and I didn't watch a lot of reality TV. And in my mind, reality TV was like unscripted drama, where they just, a producer comes in in the morning and says, okay, you're going to, fight with that person and you're going to sleep with this person and that's what i thought it was and so i i you know i kind of avoided it i don't have time for that kind of tv anyway i just so busy and it's hard to get in europe um but when they reached out to me about the show and stuff like that and i i told them how i felt and they said no it's nothing like that and now i've learned you know it isn't like that at all it's just them they put some cameras there they have some camera people they never tell us what to say or do. And enough crazy stuff happens that they can create a show out of it, you know? I mean, they, obviously, they they can edit it. I mean, they, you know, they pick and choose. They're filming everything, and then they hone it down to 45 minutes for an episode. But everything, the guests, I mean, everything the audience sees is stuff that really happens, you know?
1: What I, I mean, at one point did you say, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is, literally as hard as it is to make a reality show.
0: I mean, the the crew, I mean, the production crew, man, they, you know, yacht crew work really hard, but those guys work even harder. It's amazing. Uh, I was just telling someone the other day, though, we don't interact with them, right? Uh, We, you know, we come out of our cabins in the morning, we we get a mic on, we go in, we see them, but we don't say good morning. We don't talk to them. They're like flies on the wall they're just they're doing their job we're doing our job and they're filming it and and that's how it works it's it's kind of weird at first um you know at the end of the season we get to chat with them and you know but during the season it's like they don't exist you know so and that i you know i think that it was really important for the people who created the show that it was very real that there's nothing fake about it there's nothing made up about it all they want is to film what happens and then show it to the audience and hopefully it's entertaining. And I think it is, you know?
1: So every year there's hookups and relationship drama. And in the very first season, you said that one time one time you had a girlfriend and you walked by a bridal store and you covered her eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's kind of like, that's kind of <laughs> like one of my running jokes. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, do, I do it for fun, you know, it's like, you know what I mean? Because I, I think everyone gets the humor in that, right? Yeah. Or a jewelry store, you know, yeah. with uh, diamond necklaces, discovered her eyes and can keep walking. It's just that kind of thing.
1: But how, so, I'm saying, but you end up stuck in the middle of so much drama just from the relationships, not just between the men and the women, but between... The 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 different departments and the different department heads and you always ha- why are the chefs always so dramatic?
0: Actually, the 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 I think the three chefs that we've had on the three seasons I've they haven't been too bad. I mean, usually chefs are divas, you know they're they're prima donnas, and you know it's it's for me it's kind of expected. Uh, I don't see Marcos for for example our latest se- uh, yes. chef from this season. He's not like that at all. He's actually pretty easy as far as chefs go, you know, but they're, they're, they're artists, you know, they're artists and they're performing when they make this amazing food for the guests. It's a big part of what we do on a super yacht. You know, I always say that, that uh, the water toys and the sailing are just things, activities to keep them busy between meals, you know, and it's all about the meals. Uh, And it's so important to have a a, a fantastic chef, which I think uh, Marcos is a great example. He's one of the best I've ever worked with as far as the food that he puts out. But his personality also hes such a great guy.
1: Do you know how much they hate you when you're actually under sale and they're trying to cook?
0: I know. And, you know, it's it's a compromise. And, you know, I don't know if Marcos did a lot of work on sailing yachts before this season on Parsloe. I don't think he did, but he, he took it all in stride. And I, I usually talk to him. You may not see it, but I, I talk to him and say, listen, you kind of let me know when we need to be on an even keel because you're going to make a souffle or something that just not going to work while, while we're cranked over like that. And I will find a way to make it work because, like I said, the meals are so important. The guests want to sail and have fun. But we got to get there, get the sails down, get anchored, and then put our lunch. So we have to kind of work together to figure that out.
1: Yeah. Were you shocked the first time you saw that footage and you see them just cussing you out when everything's going <laughs> flying? Oh, I was laughing so <laughs> hard. Yeah. They're going, God, the stuff's <laughs> flying everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: not always like that. But there are sometimes, you know, the wind will get up a little bit. Uh, the angle of the wind will change and all of a sudden we get cranked over a lot and you see that stuff go flying. Uh, Marcos was pretty good. and Natasha was pretty good. Adam, I remember getting quite upset, our chef from season one, and he actually came up to the flybridge and, you know, we're having a, a great sail and he's like, okay, can you guys stop sailing? I'm like, no, I can't stop sailing. you guests are enjoying this. We got to figure out a way to do it both. You know, we got to be able to do the sailing, get stopped and get a nice meal prepared for them. And it's a challenge, but, you know we do it and, my my whole career, 20, 21 years I've been on sailboats, and it's always the same thing, but you find a way to make it work.
1: I get, I, easy guests, nice guests are usually a pleasure to have, even though it's still yes. service. What about yes. the baggage? Have you actually ever had to throw someone off a boat?
0: It's funny. I seem to get that question a lot recently in the last couple of weeks, you know? uh no i've never had to throw you know that's not some you know the guests are paying for the you know paying to be on board and we don't just randomly throw guests off unless they do something like seriously illegal or you know there's some kind of violence involved and and, and you know towards another guest or towards the crew then that's a kind of the scenario but just because they're rude and obnoxious we can't throw them off i mean we're a floating five-star hotel imagine you went to stay at the the, the, you know, the Ritz or somewhere and, and you were a little bit difficult, they don't just throw you out of the hotel, you know, unless you hit one of the, you know, the, the, uh, the bellhop or something like that, you know, they just deal with it. That's, that's how it works, you know? So it, it's not pleasant. And most of the people that we get, especially people who choose to go on a sailing yacht, uh, they're generally really chilled, fun people to be around but occasionally you get, you know, bad apples. And yeah, I think, I think people can see that, but it's not to me, unless it gets really crazy. I can't just kick people off the boat. You know, they're paying to be there. I, if I have to, I'll talk to them, try to calm them down, try to get them to behave. But if they're rude, being rude is not, you know, if they're abusive, that's different, but if they're just a little bit rude, you know, you can't kick them off for that. It's just their prerogative. Some people are, Some people are like that, you know, I've dealt with guests before, um, but they're paying to be on the boat and uh, unless it gets over the top, yeah, you just have to accept it and move forward.
1: So in all your years of sailing, what has been your worst guest experience?
0: Uh, Well, the the guest experience, uh, I mean, the, the guests that we have on the last couple episodes were pretty, pretty trying. Uh, what else have i seen um i, I you know i had a, a russian guy who um you know he got all upset because his wife asked the crew to take him out in the in the tender with his son and they went out you know water skiing or wakeboarding or something and he's like he comes asked for the captain is like where's my son and i said well he's with your wife And he's like well i want them back now you know it's like well, what would you like me to do? They're out water skiing. You know, she, she's with them. They're fine. You know? And he's like, no, he wasn't having any of it. I said, okay, fine. What do you want me to do? So I said, let's pick up the anchor, go look for them. And before we could get the anchor up, the wife came back with the sun. Everyone's fine. And she's like, what are you making such a fuss about? You know. So some, some people can be very difficult. Um, I don't know. It's just their mentality. But nothing, you know, nothing too too bad. But these guys in the last couple of episodes—that was pretty. That was some of the worst that I've seen. Oh, some of the worst wait. behavior.
1: Can't wait till I get to those. Um, what's the biggest challenge of being a high-end charter captain? I mean, you because you're balancing uh, because yeah. you're basically the general manager of a high, of you said, a high-end hotel. You also are basically a full-time therapist you have (laughs) children you know basically running around drunk on their days off and hooking up you know and then you have actually sailing and safety and running this giant boat what's What's the most challenging part? When
0: you, when, you when you put it like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's a balancing act. Um, you know, when you're talking about the crew partying and hooking up, you, the one thing you have to keep in the back of your mind, and I think a lot of people are like, why don't you just stop them? It's like, well, it's not quite that simple. I mean, I could, um, but if I come down too hard on them, that's, it's, I don't think that's going to be good for the vibe on the boat. I want to give them a little bit of freedom because remember, you know, you work, you're, you're, you have a podcast and you probably have maybe somebody who, you know, that you work for, Um, but they don't tell you what you do when you leave the studio and you go home, who you see, you know? And so we all live on this boat together and I'm the captain 24 seven, but these guys are on their own time. So I've got to give them a little bit of freedom. Otherwise it's like, being in prison, you know. So if they if they party, remember a lot of the stuff that you see uh on television of them partying. I don't see that
1: firsthand.
0: You know? Well, you almost got uh, but, puke-
1: but you almost got puked on in the first episode this season. Yeah,
0: I mean, no, exactly. That wasn't that wasn't good. Uh, you know, Tom went overboard. um uh, You know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm glad he didn't puke on me. It would have been a little bit different story had he. Um, but, uh, you know, that, I think that's the first time that's happened in 20 years, you know, so, or I've been on this boat, uh, Parsifal captain for 12 years. And that's the first time that's happened. Um, you know, but, uh, it is what it is. I think that the balancing act is trying to keep the guests happy, trying to keep the crew happy and motivated. For me, a big part of what I do is I think I, I set the tone or I set the vibe for the boat. And I tr- I really try put a lot of effort into um, set, uh, setting a nice vibe so that the that the crew are happy doing their job and I think I'm pretty sure that the guests pick up on that they they enjoy the kind of people that come on a sailboat they want friendly welcoming crew that feel good about the job that they're doing so that's kind of what I'm I'm striving for and it's a fine line yet yeah. sometimes they go overboard you know uh, if they weren't on TV. You know, all, the only thing the guests would see would be the smiling, happy faces, maybe slightly hungover, but doing a good job and, and um, you know, uh, having the right mental attitude towards the guests so that the guests re- can relax and really enjoy their holiday. Because on a sailboat, we're, the, the guests and crew are very close together, especially when we're sailing. You know, it's, it's something that we're all, an activity that we're all kind of involved in. And I, I think the guests on the sailboat like that closeness and they like to be close to the crew. And so that's why for me, it's important that the crew are happy and, you know, working hard, doing a good job, you know? So I I guess that's why.
1: So I'm watching the show and I I felt this way with the other franchises, but for some reason more in this, this version. Um, And I think back of all the crazy stuff we did on, the boat we used to charter on Big Eagle all these years, all those years ago. And I'm like, oh my God, the crew must have fucking hated us. But we tipped well. So it made it worthwhile. So, (laughs) uh, but I mean. I think, I think that, sorry, go ahead. I I was like, it's, it's funny though, because I was going, I was thinking about all that last night and going, oh my God, like what they did it was crazy. And because we took the same boat year after year, they would kind of get involved and have theme things planned. <laughs> I don't even know. But I look at the crew and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They must have hated us because of all the 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 wonky, crazy stuff we would do. I,
0: I, I would say, you know, from my experience, I don't think... We, we don't hate the guests. We want the guests to have fun. We want the guests to get a little crazy. We don't, you know, we, we don't want them to endanger themselves, but we want them to have fun. And we know if we do a good job of helping and facilitating that, however crazy it is that they want to get, we'll be rewarded. At the end, we'll get a nice tip. And that's kind of how it works. The guests, like I'm sure you guys, you said you tipped well because you knew it wasn't easy for the crew but it's not meant to be easy for us we're not on holiday we're working and our job and we're going to get some time off after you guys leave our job is to give you guys the best experience possible while you're on board so whatever it is if we can accommodate we're going to do it and you know it's going to be long hours and hard work for us but that's fine that's you know we're paid well to begin with and, and if you guys give us a great tip after even better most of the crew i work with most of the crew that i know um, When there's a chance for a charter, they want it. They want that opportunity. So, no, you don't have to feel bad. I don't think they hate you. There's probably some guests out there that the crew hate. And, you know, you can imagine what I'm thinking of. But generally speaking, no, we we love guests who come and have a great time. We have a great time with them, you know. So,
1: no. Well, I mean, again, you were dealing with my mother, who, by the way, (laughs) <laughs> we took the same boat no, for, met her, so. for so many years in a row. And then apparently there was the same family after us every year. So my uh, mom would like booby trap the boat.
0: Oh <laughs> no. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh my God.
1: Oh, we had some moments. <laughs> um, what is the uh, strangest? She, she sounds naughty. Yeah. What was the, what's the strange in all your years? What's the strangest request you've ever gotten? Strangest request? Um, I had you to only, go have into for, uh, well, you've only have people for. Well, you only have people for three days, so it's a little bit different. But what is the strangest request? It, well,
0: well, I mean, no, I mean, when we, well, you know, some charters are short, and a lot of charters are long. I had a twelve-week charter one time, all over the Mediterranean, uh, which was great. The family was amazing. We had such a good time. Um, I, you know, one time I had, um, a race car, you know, uh, world champion on board and he had this special, special sauce that he liked and I had to jump in the tender and take a train and walk down to this one supermarket where I could find it right next to the, the racetrack while the, they were practicing and stuff like that, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I've never helicoptered in any, any, any food item, but you know, there are a lot of strange requests, but we take them in stride and, uh, Again, if we can accommodate, we'll do it. I mean, but I can't think of anything really, really crazy. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But if yeah, so, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens.
1: If if someone wants to be a guest on the boat, how do they go about doing that?
0: If they want to be a guest on, on Parsifal. Yeah. Uh, well, they can get in touch with me. I'm all over social media, you know, Instagram, um, Facebook. Captain Glenn Shepard. That that that's one way they can reach out to me, and I can. Um, it depends whether they want to be on camera or not on camera. If they just want to have a regular holiday, or if they want to be on camera, then I'll I'll send them to the right people. But yeah, um, they could just reach out to me, and I'll help organize a, a holiday for them.
1: How How do you spend your time off the water? Uh, traveling and
0: sailing. Some of my friends think I'm crazy that I go sailing when I'm not on on, on the boat. But uh, I, I work as a captain because I love sailing so much. So I've got a 42-foot boat that's in, um, uh, in Sardinia now in the uh, Costa Esmeralda area. It's a lovely area of Sardinia. Um, now it's March. So it's a little early. I'm probably going uh, April, first, first week of April, and I'm going to do some cruising around Corsica and Sardinia. And then I go oh back to work. Gosh. I'm on a rotation on farceball, so I work 12 weeks. Then I have 12 weeks off. On uh, the fall, I hope to take my boat to Greece. But you know, right now I'm in Dubai. Um, I, I, a week and a half ago, I was in Andorra in the, the Alps, uh, the Pyrenees Alps snowboarding between France and Spain. And I, I love to travel. I love to see new places. So that's pretty much it. When, when, if I'm not working, which is a form of travel and sailing, my free time, I travel and sail.
1: What is your favorite place to sail? People ask me that a
0: lot, and it's really hard. I always say it's like, you know, picking your favorite child while your kids are all watching you. But uh, for sure, Greece is one of my favorites. I always, you know, Greece is so amazing because it's, um, well, it's the Mediterranean. You've got the culture. You've got the history. You've got the food. You've got amazing people. So many islands, you know, you could spend a lifetime there cruising. Um, in a tropical location, I think the Bahamas are also one of my favorites. I've been a couple of times on my boat and, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to go back in the next couple of years because it's, it's spectacular.
1: Okay. True, shallow question. Okay. Where are the best places to sail at different times of year? Like I know end of August in Greece is a lot of wind
0: well it also depends you're absolutely right um, greece is notorious for, for for windy conditions that's called the meltemi 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 and the meltemi blows hard uh july and august but that's right in the middle of the sucratis so if you're over uh, yeah it's in the middle you know mykonos uh, santorini eos all of that kind of stuff that area can be i was there a couple of years ago and we had solid 35 knots for three, four days. And it can, it it blows pretty much like that for the whole summer. So it's not ideal unless you're going for the winds out of the North. So if you're going from North to South and you have that wind behind you, it's not too bad. But if you're trying to go North, forget it. Um, But that's pretty much concentrated in that area. If you go to the Ionian sea, which is the the Western coast of Greece on the West side, Northwest of the Peloponnese uh, they do have northwesterlies, but it's, it's much lighter. So that's a fantastic area. Corfu, Ithaca, Cephalonia, that area is not bad. And then the same on the opposite side, over off the coast of Turkey, you have the Dodecanese, uh, Roto, Simi, uh, Kos, And they're kind of out of that belt of the Meltami. They're on the edge of it. So those areas are great, even in the middle of summer. It's going to be hot, for sure, in the middle of summer in Greece. Uh, I plan to go in September, October, which is still a great uh, cruising time.
1: So winter in the winter in the Caribbean, summer in the med yeah.
0: yeah my my ideal would be winter in the Bahamas, which is you know kind of in the north Caribbean uh, and then summer in the Med. the med is you know the med is there's so much history, so much culture, so much to see, you know to see ashore in the med uh, amalti coast uh, Turkey croatia, montenegro, the the French Riviera, the Balearic islands which I call home. There's so much there.
1: You put yourself on a diet nine weeks ago. I did. Yes. How's it going? And? How's it going? <laughs> uh,
0: no comments. No comment. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, to be honest, uh, I probably haven't cut back so much on what I'm eating. Maybe in the last few days. But I'm really getting a lot of exercise. I, I spent three days just now at the Expo 2020 here in Dubai. And I don't know how many miles. I must have walked like 40 miles in three days. But it was amazing. It was such a cool experience. It's getting ready to finish up. And I really wanted to see it before it ended. So I am getting a lot of exercise. You know, I'm getting my steps in. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be on my boat in a month. And I'm going to really you know, uh, try to get that by going you know, in earnest.
1: So what should we be watching for the rest of this season? What's going to, you said there's some really bad guests.
0: Well, I, th- I think the really bad guests finished this week. Uh, I haven't seen that episode, but based on last week's episode, yeah, I think we're done with those guys. Uh, we're going to have some amazing guests. We have a lot of fun uh, with a lot of the guests, some great sailing. There's, a, You know, there's some action, some drama some, you know, some crazy stuff that happens. Uh, yeah, obviously there's going to be some more hookups and, you know, um, you know love triangles or quadrangles or whatever, you know, but, but uh, I think it's going to be a really good season. I think it's going to be kind of similar to season two, which I think was a, a fantastic season.
1: Well, I certainly hope you got through the rest of it without someone throwing up on you.
0: Yes, I I can assure you I did.
1: (laughs) Captain Glenn from Below Deck Sailing Yacht, thank you so much. Thank you.